Numbers 22, verse 1. Then the people of Israel set out and camped in the plains of Moab beyond the Jordan at Jericho. And Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was in great dread of the people because there were many. Moab was overcome with fear of the people of Israel. And Moab said to the elders of Midian, This horde will now lick up all that is around us as the ox licks up the grass of the field. So Balak, the son of Zippor, who was king of Moab at that time, sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor at Pithor, which is near the river in the land of the people of Ammah, to call him, saying, Behold, a people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the earth, and they are dwelling opposite me. Come now, curse this people for me, since they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them from the land, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the fees for divination in their hand, and they came to Balaam and gave him Balak's message. And he said to them, Lodge here tonight, and I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam. And God came to Balaam and said, Who are these men with you? And Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent to me, saying, Behold, a people has come out of Egypt, and it covers the face of the earth. Now come, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to fight against them and drive them out. So God said to Balaam, You shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. So Balaam rose in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, Go to your own land, for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. So the princes of Moab rose and went to Balak and said, Balaam refuses to come with us. Once again, Balak sent princes more in number and more honorable than these, and they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus says Balak, the son of Zippor, Let nothing hinder you from coming to me, for I will surely do you great honor, and whatever you say to me, I will do. Come, curse this people for me. But Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the command of my Lord, my God, to do less or more. So you too, please stay here tonight that I may know what the Lord will say to me. And God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men have rose to come, ro- has, have, rose to, have, come, have come to call you, rise, go with them, but only do what I tell you. So Balaam rose in the morning and saddled his donkey and went out with the princes of Moab. But God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as his adversary. Now he was riding on the donkey, and his two servants were with him. And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the road and went into the field. And Balaam struck the donkey to turn her into the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on either side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed against the wall and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall, so he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. And she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, Because you've made a fool of me. I wish I had a sword in my hand, for then I would kill you. And the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey, on which you've ridden all your life to this day? 
is it my habit to treat you this way? And he said, no. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in hand and he bowed down and fell on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I've come out to oppose you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside before me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely just now I would have killed you and let her live. Then Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know that you stood in the road against me. Now therefore, if it is evil in your sight, I will turn back. And the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but speak only the word that I tell you. So Balaam went on, went on with the princes of Balak. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that as we read it and as we um, just dig into it and, and, and try to, to pull out your truths for us, that you would help us. pray that you would help our hearts to, um, to believe more in you and believe more in your son who has come to save us. Would you do that now, please? It's in Jesus' name I pray. <clears throat> so the, uh, the whistle blows and seven-year-old Jake is running crazily. Uh, soccer, soccer. Um, I have a picture, actually, of me standing. So that's me, and then that's my dad behind me. That's, he was the coach. And then the next picture. So this was my pose. Um, but so J Jake, he's running around. He's, I think he's about seven. You guys could tell me better. Um, I think he's about seven, but he's running around and, and he gets the ball and it's, oh my gosh, this is happening. I've got the ball and I'm running, juking people out, um, stiff arming this one guy. Uh, it, it was U7, so it didn't really matter. Like the, the, the refs didn't red card you in that. So it was good. Um, and then, so my dad, he's yelling, go Jake, go. All the soccer moms are going crazy. And I run, I run, and I kick the ball, and, and it's this beautiful shot. It's going into the corner. It's going into the corner, and it goes in. It goes in. And I, I turn, and I, I look to my soccer moms, and I'm like, yeah. It was, it was the other side's soccer moms that were going crazy. I actually scored on my own team. So, and it, my dad was actually yelling, no, Jake, no. I thought he was saying, go, Jake, go. Um, but, but you could see, um, you could see why he was yelling. He had years of experience with sports at this point, whereas I did not. Um, so he could see what was going wrong. I couldn't really see. Um, my dad was no fool. He was not blind, but I didn't listen. And so this made me look like a fool, made me look like I couldn't see what was going on. Um, the truth is we're all blind and foolish at some point in our lives. We try to go our own way to what we think we should do because we want something different than what the Father has for us. But it almost always ends up making us look like a fool or like we don't know what's going on. For instance, in our parenting, we try to get past spending time with our children because we are stuck on the couch and Sports Center doesn't show the same thing every 30 minutes. So we're blind to the need our children have. In our marriage, we do not love our wives well because either we think that they're the one who is wrong or just being a total brat and they don't deserve our love. That's just foolish. 
Or we try to get past submitting to our husband's headship by saying, well, my husband's not being very smart at this moment. Um, He's not thinking, I shouldn't have to submit to that plan. Blind to God's plan. With our friends, we try to skip over laying our lives down for them by telling them, uh, by telling ourselves that they would just be bothered by our phone call or our, our meaningful conversations with them. It's just foolish. At work, we try to pull one over on our boss or our client because we're just too tired or we have other things to do at that time that are just a little more important. So we're blind, we're blind to God's call in our work. With our parents, with our parents, we try to lie to them because we think that if we told them the truth, then we'd get in trouble. You're right, but it's still foolish. So from our passage this morning, we're going to see three truths. The first is that we are foolish. Second is that we are blind. But the third and most important is that God is not. Numbers 22, we will gather, from Numbers 22, we will gather that we are foolish enough not to follow God's commands or we are simply blind to God or his plans fully, either either of which could end up being the worst news in the universe for us. But there's also good news in the story as well in that we have a a dad who is no fool, who sees everything we fail to see and who's faithful to give us a chance. So let's take a look at the first one. We are foolish. If you look at verse 28. Verse 28 says, Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, because you have made a fool of me. I wish I had a sword in my hand, for then I would kill you. So what's this saying? Balaam is saying that the donkey made him to be a fool, but he's kind of right. I mean, like, let's just, let's just picture everybody here with us. Um, So Balaam, he's up here, right? And he's on his donkey. You guys are on one collective donkey. It's a very strong donkey. So you guys are on one donkey. I'm the other guy in the posse. Um, and we're just riding along. And then we see Balaam talking to his donkey. It might not have been super strange, but still, he's talking to him. We're like, what's this guy doing? Then he starts to beat the donkey. We're like, whoa, whoa, this is a little weird. So he, he, does, he does look a little foolish. Um, So he's not completely wrong, but Balaam's mostly foolish because he's going against what God called him to do. Why does this make Balaam a fool? 1 Samuel 13, verse 13, says, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. So Balaam is being a fool because he went with the men when God said not to. Balaam is being foolish. And then if you notice in in verse 1, it says, Then the people of Israel set out and camped in the plains of Moab beyond the Jordan at Jericho. So um, you see that this this story, Balaam, is happening in the background of God's people. So the the Bible is usually about God's people, but this story is kind of happening in the, the background. So what's Israel doing in the wilderness? What were they doing in Moab? In uh, Numbers 25, so just a few pages over, you do not have to turn there, though. Uh, Numbers 25 says, While Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. 
These invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So along with Balak wanting to curse Israel, Balaam trying to curse Israel, going against what God called him to do, and then Israel bowing down to other gods. Everybody in this story is being foolish. They're going against God's commands for them. This is us. We are foolish. Why? Why don't we listen to God's commands for us? Well, we may not know God's commands, but mostly we just know and still disobey, just as Balaam the fool did. The reason why we do not listen to God's commands and the call on our life is because we fail to believe that in Jesus, God the Father has given us everything we could ever need. We search and try to find whatever in whatever else, and it always ends in our death. One time, I think when I was about the same age as, as, as little Jake on the screen, um, I, was, I just wanted to do something so bad, and I was so excited to do it. Well, my dad kept telling me no. And I was like, all right, dad, I don't think you understand how this works. I say, hey, I want to do this. You help me to do it. Um, but he kept saying, no, like it's going gonna, it's gonna to be bad for you. You don't want to do this. So I'm crying. I'm complaining. I'm, I'm really sad. I'm just like, dad, please let me do it. Come on. It's, it's going to be so much fun. Please, please. Um, <laughs> I, that's, that's an accurate representation, by the way. Um, and so my dad, just after, I think, a few days of, of me saying, hey, dad, can you, we let me do this? He finally said, Jake, fine. You, you can do it. You, go ahead. You can do it. So I walked up to the stove. I touched the hot red thing, and it burned my hand. Dad, ah, why did you let me do this? Don't you love me? Um, <laughs> he succumbed to the pressure, and he let me do it. Um, but it, it had been off for about an hour, so it wasn't actually super burning hot. Like, my hand doesn't have a deformity or anything like that. It wasn't a, he wasn't a bad parent. He's sitting back there. Um, but <laughs> uh, we sometimes know exactly what our Father wants for us. And we know that what God has called us to could not be something against us. Yet we deliberately disobey. And most of the time... It ends in us getting what we wanted all along, the very thing that could hurt or even kill us. Foolish. God in Jesus has given us all that we may ever need, so theoretically we have, we have no need to sin anymore, to disobey God's commands anymore. So we have to obey God's commands for us if we desire to stop being foolish, but how can we do this? We can stop being foolish by believing that Jesus is our ultimate comfort in life so we can get off of the super comfortable couch and stop watching the mindless TV that keeps us from parenting our children. We can stop being foolish by believing that Jesus is our ultimate head in life so we can follow our husband's plan even if we think it's probably not going to go well or we're scared about what could happen. We can stop being foolish by believing that Jesus is the ultimate example of headship in life so we can love our, our wives in everything from them just being a brat to them leaving us in the middle of the night. 
We can stop being foolish by believing that Jesus is the ultimate friend so we can carve time out of our day to call our friend to ask them how they're doing. We can stop being foolish by believing that Jesus is the ultimate focus in our work so we can work as for him and not for our own selves. We are foolish because we do not follow God's commands for us, just like Balaam. But if we believe that Jesus is what we are ultimately searching for in our disregarding of those commands, then we can end our foolishness. Where are you currently being foolish? Where is Jesus not your ultimate focus? So as Balaam and we are foolish, Balaam and we are spiritually blind as well. So number two, we are blind. If you take a look at verse 31. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand and he bowed down and fell on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to oppose you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside before me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely just now I would have killed you and let her live. So Balaam, he was blind to the angel of the Lord, which is Jesus, pre-incarnate Jesus. Uh, Because of Balaam's foolishness, Balaam was pushing violently through. Difficulties placed in front of him by God. God actually placed himself in front of him and he's still just pushing through in order to do what he wants to do. We are spiritually blind just as Balaam is. God had to open Balaam's eyes and he'll have to open our eyes as well. The struggle that we have with this though is that we do not know how to see with our spiritual eyes. I mean, what does that even mean? Spiritual eyes, Jake, come on. Like, that doesn't really make sense. Is this some new agey type thing? Um, Ephesians 1 says, uh, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. So having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Our spiritual eyes being opened, what does that mean? That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? So what is the inheritance that we are to hope in? Jesus Christ. To see spiritually means that we hope in Christ. The reason Balaam was spiritually blind was because all he could see was the riches and the gold. He's like, oh man, I want that. That's what I want. The reason we are spiritually blind is ultimately because we want to see things of this earth more than we want to see Jesus. Ultimately, the fight to see is a fight to believe that Jesus is better. We just sang it. Than anything the world has to offer, so that is where we fix our eyes. We must not be spiritually blind. Um... I was in Yellowstone with my parents and and my brothers, and uh, at this time I was engaged to my sweet wife, Leah. Um, And we're driving around, there's bear and and elk and buffalo, and I had the idea. I was like, man, it'd be cool to touch a buffalo. So I tried 
to, like, this is as close as I got on foot. And you can, I mean, you're not supposed to get within like 100 feet of these things, I think. Um, but this is, I took this with my own fingers. Um, and the, I tried to get the video to upload. He like turns at me and I was like, okay, I'm not going to do this. So I made my idea even better. Kids, please never do this, by the way. Um, I made my idea even better. And I said, oh, he can't get me or he can't book me individually, at least, if I'm in the van. So I get in the van and I pull up next to the buffalo. I'm like creeping up so as to not scare him. Um, and I'm pulling up, pulling up. And then my, my brother Isaac, he just screams, watch out, buffalo. And I'm like, stop it, stop it. I'm, I'm, I'm a little scared at this point. I'm driving up, driving up. And I roll the window down. I reach out and I slap him on the bottom. And then I like, ah! he took off running. He was scared of me. <laughs> um, and then I was like, oh, this is crazy. And we get back to the, to the place where we were staying. I was so excited to tell Leah that I slapped a buffalo on the bottom. <laughs> I could not, I mean, I could not wait until I got service because you didn't get service in Yellowstone. They don't have cell phone towers there. I mean, how rude. Um, I was so excited. So I get on the phone and I'm like, Leah, you're not going to believe what happened. I slapped a buffalo on its behind. (laughs) Leah? Leah? Jake, I cannot believe that you slapped a buffalo on its behind. And then from, from that point on, I think I could have set the phone down and gone upstairs and still heard Leah through the phone. Um, she was a little upset. Um, <laughs> but the <laughs> apparently, I had the wrong perspective. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was blind in that moment to a whole, a whole lot of wisdom. Um, my, and my sweet fiance, she was sure to infuse me with some that night. Um, I look, but I legitimately, I look back now and I think, what in the, why would that have ever been a good idea? Um, we need help to know when we are being blind. Leah helped me out. We need help to know where we are blind. How can I see spiritually? How can I see what I cannot see? We need God's help, and we will remain blind without it. So we say things like this. Help me to see my sin the way you see it and to believe what you show me. Help me to see my wife, my husband, my friend the way you see them and to believe what you show me. Help me to see my circumstances the way you see them and to believe what you show me. Help me to see myself the way you see me and to believe what you show me. Help me to see you as being more beautiful than anything this world has to offer and to believe you when you show me. Help me to see you, Father. The only way we grow to see Spiritually, the only way our eyes are opened, our spiritual eyes are opened, is if we believe in Jesus and ask Him to open our eyes to the hope of Himself. So, are you spiritually blind? Do you want your eyes, do you desire your eyes to be opened to the hope of Christ? So Balaam was foolish and blind. We are foolish and blind. 
And this is terrible news. Because look at verse 22. But God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord, that is Jesus, took his stand in the way as his adversary. Jesus is, at this point, the adversary to the blind and the foolish. Us. But we are not left without good news. Because of number three. God is not. God is not foolish, and God is not blind. If you also look at verse 22 at the beginning where it says, but God's anger was kindled because he went, why? Why is it that God was angry? Because God was not fooled by Balaam's holiness of, and I'm only going to say what the Lord has for me to say. I'm not going to say anything else. He's trying to, to puff himself up to say, like, man, I'm, I'm good. Look at me. God sees his heart, and he knows his motives. God knew that Balaam was really after the gold and the riches. It's not like Balaam was like, ha ha, fooled ya. I got you, all powerful seeing one. I got you, I, I did that. Why is this good news? Why is this good news though? So God can, God can see all of my sin, my brokenness, my ugliness, my, this gross part of me. He can see that. I can't fool God and get my sin past him somehow. He sees everything. This is good news? How am I ever going to get to heaven if he sees all of my junk? When I scored the goal against my own team, my dad could see everything that I did wrong. And he was able to help me. He kneeled down beside me. He put his arm around me, kind of grabbed both of my shoulders like a, like a dad does, and he says, Jake, don't ever do that again. <laughs> God sees our sin, our struggle, our lying, our hatred, our falling short of, he, of his standard, and he helps. If God cannot see, then God, then God cannot see anything to have grace upon, and we need that grace. Notice God's grace to Balaam throughout the story. He gives him a chance to turn back from cursing Israel. Balaam doesn't take it. By God's grace, the donkey spares Balaam's life three times. God continues to give chances to Balaam. And notice God's grace to Israel, like the, the ones that's not even about the story really. Um, and notice God's grace to them when they are bowing down to other gods, being unfaithful to the one true God. He's making sure that a man named Balaam won't curse them. They don't even know what's happening. God helps us in our helpless state because he can see. In our parenting, God will help us to see and will break our hearts over the foolishness of choosing sports center over our kids. In our marriage, God will help us by opening our eyes to see the foolishness of the cutting words we choose to use in a fight or an argument over something small. God will help us to see the foolishness of sitting back and letting our wife, our wife starve spiritually while we could be leading. 
God will help us to see the foolishness of letting our friends go one week without us caring for their souls. God is no fool. God sees everything. So where is God trying to help you? Where is God currently standing as your adversary? I ask because according to God's word this morning, you will not continue in your life of sin without God standing directly in your way, giving you the chance to turn. Balaam got his chance, and he took it. But later on, he had another chance, another opportunity. He got four in this story. Later on in Numbers, he gets another chance. Doesn't take it. He was killed. We get opportunity after opportunity, but our opportunities end at some point. This morning, if you are here, and you are living blind to God fully and foolishly choosing anything else over believing in Jesus to be all that you need, all that you have, this is an opportunity to turn. I don't know how many opportunities you get, but I do know that we are all closer. And from the time we walked in the doors to now, we are closer to that end. Happy New Year. If you are like Balaam, uh, we, we are either Balaam and Jesus stands as our adversary, or we are Israel, those who are God's people and Jesus stands as our advocate. If you are like Balaam, turn today from your sin and believe in Jesus. If you are like Israel and you already have Jesus, but you're unfaithful to him over and over and over unbelievably, Jesus stands as your advocate. Let this news comfort you. Believe in this today. One huge reason I love that we take the Lord's Supper every week together is that it's a reminder of God's grace to those who cannot help themselves and yet another opportunity to turn. So, as we turn to the table and ask God, ask God to open your spiritual eyes, to see your sin and to see him not as adversary, but as advocate. As you sit with the emblems of the body and the blood, this is my help. Father, Please help me to see you and everything by you and help me to believe you when you show me. Let that be your prayer. So you want to know if God really can see everything? Communion is the perfect example. God looked out at the entire history of humanity and saw that we had a problem. We had a sin problem and we needed help. God saw this and he sent his son. Because of Jesus, we do not have to die because of our sins. If we are believers in Jesus, all of the sin that God sees in us as unbelievers will not cause God to be angry with us. In fact, when God looks at us, 
he will see the spotless perfection of Jesus. And Jesus will be punished for our sins. So we trust in the one who can open blind eyes. In our, in our believing, adversary becomes advocate. Because on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this, is the, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the good news that you have sent Jesus to spare us from our, our blind and our, um, our foolishness. But sometimes we, we don't believe it. We have, we have a, a struggle. We have something that's happening. We, uh, life happens. So as 2017 begins, will you refresh our hearts with that good news? Will you help us to not be foolish? Will you help us to not be blind to you and to your commands and what you have that is for us? We thank you for your son. And it's through him I pray. Amen.